You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Oh! It is Cantor. What are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern and 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago and host of the 312 show on AM 1590 WCGO. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan Z Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at LockedOnBulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369. Drop us a text, to voicemail. Anytime you're listening to the show, wherever you're listening to the show, we'd love to hear from you. That's 331-979-1369. Matt, welcome back. Final day of the new... Final day of 2018, headed into the new year here. Had a ton going on this year. Just kind of like thinking back, reflecting on all the episodes we've done, the roller coaster ride that this bull season, these bull seasons have been. Uh, it's been quite the 2018, quite the ups, quite the downs. But uh, how you doing? Welcome back. I mean, it's been the first time I think we've recorded together in about a week or so. Yeah, man, it's been a minute. Uh, glad to have you back from Vegas. Um, and, uh, you know, things are good. Looking forward to uh, a very mellow New Year's Eve. Uh, just going to hang out with a, a few friends. Uh, at their uh, at their apartment, eat, eat a nice dinner, you know, have a drink or two. But gone are the days of going out and raging on New Year's Eve. I'm getting too old for that shit. You know, lethal weapon <laughs> quote inserted here. Uh, I'm too old for this shit. You go first. I'm really too old. For no, this you shit. go first. I'll come with you. Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. Not- it, it was a crazy 2018 for Bulls fans, man. Um, obviously, a year of rebuilding you know the back end of season one of rebuild and the first half of season two of a rebuild both of which were marred by lots of injuries to key players including you know everyone from the jimmy butler trade at one time or another so 
Certainly a, a trying year for Bulls fans, and hopefully we have some some brighter moments around the corner. But um, either way, it's been a lot of fun doing five Bulls podcasts a week uh, with you for the better part of uh, the entire year, even through a, a summer that was fairly uneventful. But hey, you know, we got a Jabari Parker signing out of it, so I guess that's worth something. <laughs> yeah, we we got Jabari Parker, and they brought Zach Levine back. But it feels felt like... And we, and we have a new head coach for like at least the next month <laughs> or so. <laughs> Very true. And I mean, th- this year flew by. Thinking about all the episodes we've done, just kind of the transition through the season. And now that we've kind of done this, this has been, now I would say we're almost in our third year. We're in our third season doing this, uh, doing a Bulls podcast regularly. Like my my timeline, my calendar, as far as the way I, I approach things goes by the seasons now. It doesn't, like I feel like I don't even go by years anymore. It's like, well, okay, the Bulls play between October and they play between April. And then I know I got my summer slot. But following like the calendar just always throws me off when a bull season is still in play throughout the new year and beyond that. So, But it has. It's been a crazy, crazy 2018. So thanks to all the Bulls fans out there that listen to us every single day. If you're brand new to the show, we thank you for coming on board. 2019 is going to be the best year yet for Locked On Bulls for the Locked On Podcast Network. So we thank you again for all of our support. And with that... Let's uh, let's shift our focus. We haven't talked about real in-game situations in about a week or so. Matt, you touched on the Timberwolves game and their loss on Friday, but uh, let's talk about that win real quick against the Wizards on Friday, and then let's wrap up with the Toronto Raptors. Tomorrow we'll have a special episode for you guys out, and then Wednesday we will come back and we will do mailbags. So drop us text messages and voicemails at 331-979-1369. So Matt, the Bulls came off a pretty pretty embarrassing loss against the Timberwolves I won't try and sugarcoat it or anything and they also took my money so yeah bouncing back that's on you dude (sighs) I know that is on you and I was literally sitting there at the sports book just I looked at my dad and I said I said maybe I, I, I think I think the Bulls have a chance to win this one tonight and I said you know what all we need is Derrick Rose not to just completely have a showcase game and I think we'll be in this one and sure enough Derrick Rose was the highlight of that game, and the Bulls were nowhere near in this one. So uh, they bounced back, though. A a Wizards team that had thrown out, what, half a G League team out there to play up against this Bulls team. What did you get from the Wizards game that was beneficial to the Bulls side of things? Yeah, I mean, if there's any team in the league that has been as dysfunctional as the Bulls so far this season, it's the Wizards. And they did not have John Wall in that game. Like they were starting Sadoransky. Um, like and their bench is really not much of anything. So, like, yeah, it was a win on the road, and it was the Bulls' second straight road win, so good for them. But like in my mind, that was a game that as as shorthanded as the Bulls might be as far as a lack of talent compared to the rest of the league right now they should have won that game. So I I wasn't like doing cartwheels when they managed to beat a pretty bad Wizards team. Yeah, this Wizards team is ugly and I was I had to laugh to myself. I'm like looking at the some of the players on the floor, I'm like, am I am I back in twenty fifteen, like watching the NCAA top twenty five? Like you had 
Ron Baker, you had Sam Decker, you had Thomas Bryant playing. Damn, I feel like I'm back in like watching top 25 college basketball at this point. <laughs> it did feel like that, yeah. Thomas Bryant, though, interesting enough to watch him. I, I you know, my Indiana connection, so it was good to. I, I enjoyed watching him play for the Wizards, and he's given them a spark that he's made it all the way from the G League to that point. But I did think that the Bulls played a, a, a solid game, solid enough for them to pull out a win. But like you said, too, it took just about everything for this Bulls team to beat a not-so-great Wizards team. So uh, the one thing that I did highlight, though, was Wendell Carter Jr. kind of breaking out of his shell a little bit in this game. He had 17 points, 13 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and 3 blocks. So he, him and Markinen both combined for 27 rebounds and 31 points. And then on top of that, Zach Levine with 24 points, 2 on an efficient 7 of 12. So I did enjoy from those three guys, the three big guys that we've had, we've talked about and how do they get chemistry together and Levine, Markinen, and Carter all did play pretty decent games on Friday yeah, night. Yeah, they did and you know, if there's something I like about what the Bulls starting five did in that game, you know, you mentioned the uh, the stats of Markin and Wendell and Levine with 24 points. Uh, Chris Dunn, 13 and 8 with only one turnover. That's a pretty solid game as far as what we expect from Chris Dunn. But Justin Holiday only took six shots. And that might be my favorite part about what the Bulls starting five did that night because we are constantly whining and complaining and saying, why the hell is Justin Holiday such a huge part of this team offensively taking tons of shots, playing all these minutes? He did in that game lead the team in minutes, which has become the norm for Holiday, 38 minutes. And by the way, he played 40 more minutes uh, in their loss to the Raptors last night. We, we'll get to that in a minute, but... You were talking in last one of last week's episodes about even though you know Markinen's back and Wendell has kind of taken a backseat, Levine's trying to get his offense going, Dunn's trying to get his offense going. You wanted the Bulls to kind of retry focusing some of the offensive uh, attention on Wendell and saying like, just get the kid to like ten shots a game. So you look at the shot attempt breakdown of the Bulls starting five in that win: twelve shots for Levine, twelve shots for Dunn. uh, six shots for holiday as i mentioned marketing 15 and there was wendell with a very efficient eight of ten from the field for those 17 points um we we want to see more of that because we believe that wendell has that potential on the offensive end it's just a matter of finding his looks uh and and having jim boylan make that a priority for the remaining part of the season. Yeah, and just trying to build Carter's confidence back up. I don't think he's discouraged necessarily by by his game over the last, I don't know, I would say six weeks. Like six weeks or maybe five weeks. Um, but you look at just look at the game logs. If you go back and look at this stretch that we were talking about, it was where he was getting in foul trouble. He was in and out of the lineup. He's playing stretches of some games where he's playing 14 minutes in a t- an entire game, playing 20 minutes, 19. Most of that was coming from foul trouble. But the games he was staying in, he's actually been really productive, both on the defensive side of the ball, on the glass, and on the offensive side, back-to-back games now we've had against Washington and Toronto where Wendell Carter Jr. has played over 30 minutes. And you look at his past, you look at his past 10 games, the last time he's played over 30 minutes was at Indiana in one of the first games Jim Boylan coached. So looking at that, at least that's a little bit of a bright spot for me. And part of that comes with not getting involved triple. But Matt, again, and this is probably going to happen all season, but I was so frustrated by some of the fouls he continues to pick up. Like, game after game after game, 
and it's it's like clockwork too. In the first two minutes of the game, Carter is picking up a foul, and most of the time, those are not fouls that that any other player would be called for, any other big man would be called for in the league. So the respect level for his game. I don't know is if it's necessarily there yet, but I can see why he was frustrated. But yeah, get get the kid ten shots or more. Like at this point, with Dunn, with Carter, with Markinen, with Levine, I know that there's only one ball, but share share the ball, keep those guys involved. Because if you go two, three, four, five possessions without getting Carter any type of touches, you're gonna lose him. And that's that's the same for any other NBA player. If you're not getting them involved when they know that they can score, you're gonna lose them on the other side of the ball. And I would hate for that to happen with yeah, Carter. Yeah, and but that's why it's encouraging to see him have a game like he did against Washington. And I, I agree with you that you know, the calls against Wendell have been really rough. I mean, even the one against Minnesota where Towns just fell down while he was in the vicinity of Wendell, mm-hmm. and they call Wendell for a foul. Like, utter nonsense. It's unbelievable. Like, it, and it's really unfortunate. Of course, it's frustrating. Um, but the, the thing to me that's curious, and, and I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on this as we move forward this season, we we know that, that Boylan respects Robin Lopez as a veteran leader of this team. Uh, and Lopez had 10 points off the bench in their win against Washington. He was a, a focal point of the offense when he was on the floor yet again in their loss to the Raptors last night. And it's like Boylan is so obsessed with this idea that we have to crawl before we can walk, before we can run. And like so many of these possessions, the Bulls are just setting up Robin Lopez in the post. And it's either... Uh, Robin makes a baby hook or he misses a baby hook or the Bulls get a 24-second shot clock violation because he can't find a shot and then passes it and passes it and somebody else passes it and, oh, oh no, the Bulls don't have a shot. I I know that Wendell isn't like a great post-up offensive player right now, and that's certainly a part of his game that needs work. So let him do that work. It's like Wendell's baskets have come from some nice little pick-and-roll action, and he's gotten some nice lob chemistry going with Chris Dunn and some of his other teammates in the last stretch of games. But we haven't seen much of any Wendell going to work in the post. If Boylan is so obsessed with that slow, grinded-out, outdated offense, and that's what we have to watch, at least let us watch that with Wendell. No offense to Rolo, but nobody cares. About and nobody wants to watch Robin Lopez post up like twelve <laughs> times a game because that has nothing to do with this team's future. It's infuriating to it me. It is, and I feel bad for Robin too because he's playing good. Like it's not like he's not performing like the way he was at the beginning of the season. You know, and it's strange too. It's like if this Bulls team was competing, then I would be less angry about that. But I'm I'm in the same situation you are. It's like. Why? Like, why? You've got two young big men that you're trying to teach them how to do things like that, to back down, to use their space in the paint. Right. Like, marketing needs work as a post-up player, yeah, too. Like, if you're if you're just going to the guy that you know has been in the league for 10 years and can do that, that's not very conv- conducive to what the Bulls are trying to teach their guys. This year. You need the young guys to be doing that, not necessarily Robin, just for the fact that you need an easy bucket here and there. Yeah. I mean, it's I, there's really no other way to sugarcoat it and that's why some of Boylan's comments about his offense right now are are so maddening because it, it, like if you want to make that the focus of your offense and really slow it down do it with the young kids who you're trying to build around at the same time Boylan might believe that just grinding these games to a, a crazy slow pace and allowing his team to to up their effort on the defensive end and giving 
Rolo looks in the post might be his best chance to win games. And right now, Boylan's win percentage is better than Fred Hoiberg's. It's still sub 500, and it's not great, but it's better than Fred's. And Boylan is clearly fighting for his job. The Bulls front office said, you know, he has our full support, and our plan is to absolutely give Boylan the opportunity to to keep this job going into next season, and we want Boylan to be our coach next season. But I've told you, Jordan, that, um, I mean, th- to me, it is – anything but a certainty that Boylan gets to keep this job next season and he's coaching to prove that he can keep this job and so if if Robin Lopez post-ups are a part of his game plan that gives him what he believes the best chance to win every night then that's what we're gonna have to watch and and that's what I don't like because this season clearly at this point is not about wins there's been a conversation among Bulls fans saying that this team looks better than they did before and sure on surface level It's been a little bit better. The defense, at least, has been a little bit better. But you dive into the actual... The offense is worse. The offense is unquestionably worse. And and it's historically bad. Like, talk about an offensive rating for, for any NBA team in a stretch. And the Bulls are the worst. Like they have a ninety nine point zero offensive rating. Like they don't even they haven't even hit a hundred. They're the only team in the NBA right now since Jim Boylan has taken over the last twelve games. The Bulls are ninety nine point one offensive rating and a one oh seven point three defensive rating for a net rating of negative eight point one. That eight that negative eight point one may not look as bad as it was maybe in the first five games of Boylan, but they're still at the bottom three of the NBA. So surface level, like we like we had said at the beginning. I told Bulls fans don't get don't get fooled by the way that these games are ending. Like these games are close, but it's close because not only are the Bulls not scoring, but they are slowing every single possession down and grinding away those 24 seconds. And you see even a lot of teams that are really good at scoring on nights are you see their their point total drop against the Bulls, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Bulls are hanging around in the game because they are good. It's more so because the Bulls are taking so much time off the clock on offense, and everything is just so pedestrian at this point. So I'm with you. I, I'm not fooled by the way that Boylan is coaching because, yes, he's gotten them to turn their defense around a little bit, but in turn, the offense has never looked as bad as it does and right now. what are the young players on this team gaining from standing around watching Robin Lopez work in the post. They are literally sitting there standing. <laughs> and, and, you know, shout out to Steph No of The Athletic, who has a series of vids on his Twitter uh, timeline today, just showing some of the offensive possessions, if you can call them that, from, from last night uh, in, uh, in Toronto, where you got four Bulls players just literally standing around the court watching Robin Lopez post up. And outside of Jim Boylan, who is that helping? Outside of Robin Lopez, who is that helping? The answer is no one. And that's why you talk about this team's offensive efficiency getting so much worse. It is, I mean, it's laughably bad. And His whole mentality of crawl before we can walk, before we can run, this Bulls team with their young legs and their athleticism can outrun a lot of teams in this league if Boylan lets them, but he's not letting them, and it's really frustrating because whether or not Fred was a very efficient coach in doing what he wanted to do, Boylan is dragging this team back 100 years as far as what works in today's NBA offensively, and that's going to not help the player development that we keep hearing about, but it's going to hinder it 
that's going to prevent these guys from developing offensive games that work in today's league if they keep doing what they're being told to do by Jim Boylan, and it's really gross. That's why I, I said, like, don't get fooled by the way that this Bulls style is going the rest of this season because there yeah. are some fans out there that are like, well, yeah, things are a little bit different. I mean, at least they're staying in games. Like, they only lost to one of the best teams in the NBA by six last night. Like, let's have a reality check for a second. Kyle Lowry didn't play for the Raptors. He's been a big part of their season this year. Kyle Lowry didn't play against the Raptors. Valanchunas didn't play. He's been another key part of that team, too, off the bench. And then go even back and look at the Wizards. As bad as the Wizards team is... No John Wall, no Dwight Howard, no Otto Porter Jr. Like those are three guys. Those are three key guys too to the Wizards' success or failures this year, and they didn't play against the Bulls. So all of this has to be taken with a grain of salt. And while I think there has been some decent, there's been some decent stretches of things that you can pick out from Boylan that he's done. Most of it's like turning back the clock the same way that you said. And I, it's just not the way this NBA, that's not the way the NBA goes right. anymore. Which is, and to think that this is going to last long term is just in, insane. I, I went in on our pal C red Fred uh, for a tweet of his after the, the loss last night, because I just thought it was so laughably dumb. He said, you know, I, it, you know, yeah, we lost, but I, I love seeing, you know, the, the effort from the guys tonight. It was great. It was competitive. They were out there trying. It was like the biggest meathead take of all of Fred's meathead takes because I, I said, like, are you kidding? Like, th- this is a laughable take. You're in, you're encouraged about the Bulls losing that game, but staying in it against the Raptors team that, as we mentioned, was missing two of their top five guys. And the Raptors that were playing yesterday were clearly just walking through a lazy Sunday afternoon when they had no interest in playing. They shot horribly from the field, both overall and from behind the three-point line. Like, there's nothing... Boylan being like, oh, I'm proud of our guys. See Red Fred being like, oh, I'm proud of that effort. They stay competitive. And I clapped it at at Fred. I was like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, this is what you want to see? The Bulls struggling to score 80 points in 48 minutes of an NBA game? Like, that's, that's ridiculous. And his response was, well, I'd rather see them stay competitive in a low-scoring game than see them put up 105 but lose by 20. And I'm saying, no, no. That, that has no benefit to this young team moving forward in today's league. If you think that overarching, they can win lots of games and be a competitive team in today's NBA by scoring 80 to 85 points, no. That's not how it works. You are sorely mistaken. So don't give me this crap about, well, they, at least they were in it. The, the Raptors played like an indifferent team that didn't care and was missing key pieces and shot terribly. The Bulls still lost, and they lost playing an antiquated version of the sport. So don't give me that crap about, oh, well, hey, you know, at least at least it was competitive. No, to what end, Fred? To what end? Jeez. You, look at, you, ma- you mentioned that the Raptors had an off-night shooting, and it's true. The Raptors only shot 37% last night. They shot 27.3% from the three-point line. So when you shoot under 30%, you're not going to win a whole lot of games in the NBA from the three-point line. And the Bulls did pr- pretty decent job shooting 41% as a team and then 35% from the three-point line. The other thing, too, is they were getting to the free-throw line and basically matching what the Raptors were doing. So I will give them a little bit of credit for that. But on top of all of that, I still got some main questions. Like, the the whole thing that we were talking about of them attacking the basket and grabbing rebounds, like... That is kind of shot away now over the last, I don't know, handful of games where we've said, you know, they've done a little bit of, of a better job attacking the entire team is attacking the glass. 
that's kind of regressed again now. You look at the last two games, Carter and Markkinen have been your main guys on the boards, which they should be, but at the same time, you still got Holiday Dunn and Levine only racking up two, three, four rebounds a game, and as opposed to what we were seeing earlier on when Jim Boylan came in, where you were seeing Zach Levine attack the glass super hard on defense, and um, the Bulls, night in and night out, they were at least beating teams on the boards, and that's kind of regressed and gone back to what we've seen before, and the Bulls are getting beat night in and night out on the boards again, so that was part of my problem, but yeah, I mean, Zach Levine didn't have a great night shooting, 3 for 17 against the Raptors, and we're seeing some of these games happen. It's going to happen to every single guy on this team. Like, Markkinen had off nights a couple of weeks ago where he couldn't hit a bucket to save his life, so that's going to happen with Levine, too. But, yeah, the the entire slow this thing down, and there were stretches in that Wizards game or even in the Raptors game where the Bulls would get a steal, and they would run, and they would go crazy, and they would run a fast break and it looked so pure and it was great and it was like oh I forgot this team has a lot of athleticism if you let them just go out and run they can actually do some things like that's crazy I haven't seen that in about three weeks from this Bulls team but then then Matt you get you get fast breaks like they had against the Wizards where Zach Levine and Justin Holiday are playing hot potato back and forth down the floor. It's like, no, 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 you shoot it. No, you shoot it. No, you shoot it. No, you shoot it. And then what happens? And they get it swatted. So now it's like they've been confused. Yeah. And anytime the Bulls have come up with turnover, like Boylan doesn't even let them run a, like a fast break. When they get a turnover and have a like a four on three or a three on two advantage, Boylan makes them slow down and pull it out. And whoa, what are we going to do? Well, we had a, a, an odd man opportunity on a fast break here, but instead we're going to pull this back out and then find Robin Lopez and give it to him in the post. Like that—that that is dumb on so many levels. So I, just clearing some things up as we move forward. I don't think I think most of the Bulls fans out here aren't fooled by what they're seeing. Surface level, it's been a little bit better. It's nice to see that the Bulls aren't getting torched by 40, 50 points on a night. Sure, that's great to see. It's a little less embarrassing as a fan and as a player, and you will probably won't lose your guys as fast, but believe me, like the players see it just as much as we do. They see how slow this offense is running and they probably realize too like Hey man, like if we're if we're gonna have any chance at beating some of these teams th- for the rest of the season, we've got to be able to run at least a little bit. And it, I don't know. To me, it just looks like they they don't know what they're trying to run on the offensive side of the ball. And like you had said many times, there's there's four guys standing around while one guy's trying to dribble out of a double team, and it's just it, it's wild to me. So I don't know what Boylan does going forward. But I think his next step is to try to figure out whatever the hell he's trying to run on offense and try to effectively execute that during games. Because right now, I haven't seen anything. It's like we've gone back to co- the, the way college basketball is run, where it's it's thrown around the three-point line, around the three-point line, and then you get one guy dribbling until there's like four seconds left, and either he chucks up a bad shot or he passes it off, and there's a 24-second violation. Like We've seen a million of those from the Bulls yeah, since for, Boylan's taken over. So I don't I don't know where you go from here, but other than speed well, up For every offense. time we've had to hear Jim Boylan say, well, we need to, to crawl before we can blah the Bulls have a 24-second shot clock violation. The Bulls had a shot clock violation coming out of a timeout last night. <laughs> how? How? How is that a thing that is possible? I I mean, you say, I don't know what to expect from Boyle moving forward. Until he shows us something different, it will be, 
the slowest and least efficient offense in the NBA. That is what to expect. Sadly. One other highlight I wanted to mention just from the Wizards-Raptors games is Chandler Hutchison. I, I thought the- over the last two games, he's played good in the minutes he's been given. He played 15 minutes against the Wizards. He had five points. He had two rebounds and assists and one turnover. He got to the line once, but then against the Raptors, I thought in that first half when he came out, he hit his first three shots of the night. He finished with 11 points and three rebounds. Let's see. Let's see a little bit more Hutch. I, I would. I would enjoy that overseeing Justin Holiday because I will be honest with you now, Matt. Justin Holiday has ruined any trade value that he may have had a month ago, and his stats and the way he is playing right now is just completely declined. So I don't even think you're going to get anything for him. So at th- at this point, let's stop running Justin Holiday for 40 minutes and let's at least let's try incorporate Chandler Hutchison into this lineup and see what he can do because. If you're trying to squeeze value out of Holiday right now, you, you're you, you, there's nothing left. He, he squeezed it all out of himself in the first month and a half, and maybe that's to the Bulls' demise. Maybe that's part of the Bulls' problem is they ran him for 40 minutes a night for the first 25, 30 games of the season, and now he's playing. Now he's not playing that great, so I, I he, there's no value in Holiday at this point. He, all the trade value he's had is completely gone now over the last 10 games or so. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't think I forgot that a few weeks ago you tried to convince me that Holiday was worth two second-round picks, right? Yeah, a few weeks ago he was worth two, two second-round picks. Now? Now they no, will be No, he lucky. wasn't worth it then, and he definitely isn't worth it now. He was 100% <laughs> worth it back then, and now... He was not! Uh, he was not! He never was, and honestly, if the Bulls are playing Holiday this many minutes to try to increase his trade value, they're they're achieving the opposite. Because if there's something we can't agree on, it's that Holiday's trade value was at its highest in oh I don't know early November when he had a nice start to the season, shooting a lot of threes and making a lot of threes. Now with his recent shooting slump and the fact that he's playing all these minutes and is doing so pretty inefficiently. They're they're not increasing his trade value; they're decreasing it, and it, and simultaneously, back to your original point, I agree. It makes no sense that you're still playing Holiday forty minutes a game when the kid you drafted in the first round and gave a draft promise to Chandler Hutchison has started to look better and better, especially as you said last night against Toronto, eleven points on five of five shooting, including one three that actually looked really smooth, probably the nicest looking three we've seen him make all season. In 14 minutes, also grabbed three rebounds. Boylan praised Hutch's game after in his post-game comments, but when asked, well, if Hutch was playing so well, did you, like, you know, why not put him back in? And he essentially shot the question down. It was like, nah, I'm, you know, stuck with Holiday. So, what? What? Why? Holiday played like crap, especially late in that game. He had the really bad travel call when the Bulls were kind of trying to fight back in it in the final couple minutes, and... There was Hutch probably having one of his better games of the season, and Boylan praised him and still didn't think he was worth playing more than 14 minutes while Holiday played 4D minutes. That's another back-asswards thing about Boylan. I just, and maybe it is, maybe it's from the the incorporation of Boylan into this team is it, it hasn't affected Holiday in a positive way. Like look at look at his stats so far. He's averaging ten point three points per game. He's shooting thirty three point nine percent as a whole since Boylan's taken over and he's shooting twenty eight point eight percent from three on nearly six attempts per game. So 
the the takeover of Boylan has not helped Justin Holiday at all. The other person that I was looking at, the other two guys, I was curious about the way the the points breakdown was going for this Bulls team. And then Zach Levine, since Boylan's taken over, has only played in seven games, but he's averaging twenty point four points per game, shooting over fifty percent from the field and shooting forty six point four percent. So since coming back from that ankle injury, Matt, you know I had mentioned three for seventeen last night wasn't great, but overall I thought Levine has been more efficient with the shot selection that he has had and has been a little bit better on the nights that he's actually allowed to do the things that he's good at and that's breaking guys down one-on-one that's getting to the basket with his athleticism and then there's nights where the shots aren't falling and he's trying to play hero ball and kind of saw that last night a little bit but for the most part coming back from that injury a lot of people were down on Levine saying oh you know all he wants to do is shoot and do this by himself and he plays no defense he's a one-sided player I think he's done well since he's come back from his injury. And on top of that, too, Lowry Markin has been their second best score, 217.5 points per game, 44.7% shooting, and he's shooting 40% from three. But everybody else on this team, as far as three-point shooting goes, has been atrocious. All of them are under 30% with under three attempts per game. So the only three-point shooting you have on this team right now is Markin and Amblin. That uh, That is an accurate statement. <laughs> Final thing that I want to talk about here, Matt, we should get to just with the last couple of minutes is the article from Casey Johnson about Jabari Parker. So you you had talked about Derrick Rose, and maybe we can save that for Wednesday's episode because I had an opinion on that. But I want to talk about Parker really fast before we get out of here. So Casey Johnson had dropped a article, just a, a quick interview with Jabari Parker about his kind of role, at least since Jim Boylan has taken over as head coach and just talking about where he wants to go and what his season's going to look like. Give me your overview of the thoughts from Parker because I've kind of waned back and forth now just kind of reading the comments from Parker and realizing that, like, man, he's not going to change. He didn't come here to change as a player. And maybe the Bulls should have been smarter in realizing that you paid him for what he is. And that's what he's trying to tell you is, like, this is the type of player I am. This is what I came here to do. And I feel like I've done everything that they've that I've said that I would do at the beginning of signing this contract and everything extra that they've asked. He has had no interest in doing and in the flip side, the Bulls aren't too happy. But the the overarching theme that I got from this is you got what you paid for and the Bulls are unhappy about that. And it's like, well, you guys are the ones who who committed to him and you knew what you were getting when you signed him. You knew what you were getting. And and now we're in a situation where Things could get bad if we don't if they, the Bulls don't make a decision with Parker sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, it is completely a mess. And gee, who who could have seen that coming? Parentheses, me, I did. That's why I was kicking and screaming the entire time people were talking about the Bulls signing Jabari, and then my head exploded when it actually happened. It it's so pre- predictably dysfunctional where the Bulls find themselves right now. And I mean, as far as the, the quotes from Jabari in that KC column, like, whatever. To me, like, I, I didn't learn anything. I didn't feel anything different. This is just, and it's, as you kind of said, Jordan, it's like, that's Jabari being honest about what he feels he has done and what he feels he can offer this team compared to m- maybe what the team is, is asking of him and what his new coach is asking of him. But to me, the, like, I, I guess I, I do have some sympathy for Jabari just because, you know he wants to play i and clearly he's he's already out of this team's plans 
And as far as what happens now, I th- you know the Bulls should just to just buy him out and be done with it. And hey, here's another Bulls buyout where they won't necessarily admit to the signing being a mistake, but they're going to find some positive spin for it. But based on what we heard from Casey saying the the non-starter of other teams wanting the Bulls to take a bad contract in any trade for Jabari, like then th- th- that's that's the end of a conversation about trading Jabari because if the Bulls aren't willing to take on a bad contract to get rid of Jabari, then they can't get rid of Jabari through a trade because no team out there is going to give the Bulls some great trade where it's like a an equal trade of assets where somebody's given you something to take Jabari because they really want Jabari. I'm sorry, no, no team in the league is doing that. So if the Bulls are saying, well, we don't want to take on bad money for Jabari, then you're stuck with Jabari unless you cut him or buy him out, wave him, whatever. So the Bulls put themselves in this situation. You made your bed, lie in it, try and find a way out of it that doesn't completely continue to embarrass yourselves, your organization, and frustrate this poor kid. Because I know for all I've gone in on, on Jabari since before he even signed here, he is the one who looks like the sympathetic person here. Yes, he has his own faults. And as you said in those most recent quotes, essentially said, hey, I'm still going to be me. I never said I was a world beater on the defensive end. Never claimed to be. I was, tr- I was trying to be as honest as I could be in all of the comments that I've made. And I tried to go out there and help my team win when when I've been called upon. So At, at least Jabari's being real about it. The Bulls not being real. And that's the part that's frustrating because guess what? It's more of the same. That's the biggest thing is like Casey Johnson asked if if this is part of, if it's part of Boylan's culture that was implemented and if if it's, if if in part of all of this kind of deteriorating is partly Jim's fault. And Parker was straight up about it. He said, I don't think it's Jim's fault. And here is the biggest bingo. How many times have we heard this from big signings from guys that were stars here. How many times have we heard something similar to this, Matt? It's bigger than Jim. I think it's the overall organization and the direction they're going. I've done everything that's been asked of me. I didn't complain. I never had an argument or confrontation with anybody. I've done what I needed to do. How many times have we heard that from different players? It's like, oh, it's not me, and it's not the head coach, and it's not the players. It's it's what the front office, what the organization as a whole has asked me to do. And when I signed here initially, we we zigged, and then now as I'm a player here in training camp, in the first couple of games where things didn't look look great, the, things started to zag on me. And you know what? I will give him credit for this too. And we don't give Jabari Parker much credit on this show for his basketball skills or for anything uh, anything X's and O's wise this season. But it is true. Parker was playing better until he got benched. He was playing better, stacking up games where he was actually scoring and being a pretty productive player on this Bulls team. I mean, he was second in scoring until he was benched and taken out of the rotation. And he said that. He's like, I felt like it was a little bit weird because I was I was improving every single night, and then all of a sudden it was just completely gone in one in one snap of the fingers. So I will give him a little bit of credit for that. It's like, the Bulls knew what they were getting in Parker, and he, he lived up to that side of the bargain. He told you the very first day he signed here. Players don't get paid to play defense. And that was the running joke, and it still is the running joke, but it's true. And Parker's been honest 100% with us and said, man, 
I'm going to go out there and score on a nightly basis. That's what I do. And if you try to change his game, he wasn't about that. And he wasn't going to do that. So the Bulls had to have known that when they signed him back in July. And so the only person I point fault at is the Bulls front front office in their organization. You guys knew this when you signed him. And you said you didn't care what position he plays. And it's not about doing that. It's about accumulating assets for the future. And all this BS, nonsense, buzzword crap that we always hear. It's like, at the end of the day, Parker was honest with you guys. You weren't honest with yourself about who he actually could be. Instead, you played the reality, the, the NBA 2K19. Well, oh, well, well, he could be this player, and we could try to change him into this. And in reality, that was never going to happen. And Parker is being real with us right now in December and saying, that wasn't going to happen. I'm going to be the player that I am, and that's who I am going forward. Which, yeah. So, I got to give him at least a little bit of credit for being. Honest. I, I'm with you there. Like credit him for being honest, and I am so, you know, like just teeming with morbid curiosity to see where it goes from here and how the Jabari Parker situation resolves itself, and what exactly the front office will tell us after the next phase and likely final phase of Jabari experiment uh, comes to a conclusion, because. You know, there's so many, as you said, you know, just kind of like key key words and phrases and and uh, all these uh, reused and repeated, you know, buzzwords that we hear from the Bulls front office when they are legitimizing their most recent head slapping mistake. And so I I just can't wait, honestly, just to see what happens uh, with with a Jabari Parker situation. Um, it is now the only joy I get out of. Hating this signing from the first place is seeing how they try and spin it as the disastrous experiment comes to an end. Uh, because, honestly, it's hard to, to find positives with the Bulls this season. We try and you know talk optimistically when one of the young players has themselves a nice game or you see some kind of development from one of these young players in the core that we're trying to build. But outside of that, the other thing that can bring us joy is laughing at the incompetency of the people running this team because we know we can yell hashtag fire our packs into the endless night and no one will listen to us. So, you know, if, if you can't create change by yelling for change, at least, you know, try and find yourself a cheap laugh here or there. And honestly, that's what I'm excited for as we figure out what the hell happens next with Jabari. And as I said, simultaneously, do feel a little bit bad for the guy. And I hope that whatever solution the Bulls come to, he he gets a fresh start somewhere else. Um, but, you know, not surprised that the Bulls failed him. And, and to some degree, he failed the Bulls, but mostly the Bulls failed him. And Jabari, I'm sure, was very eager uh, to sign that contract and make $20 million this season because he thinks he's a player worth that much. And the Bulls did, and Jabari and the Bulls front office were the only people on planet Earth who thought that Jabari Parker was worth that much. I think it's it's true in the fact that you said they both deserve blame for this. It's true. It's it's the Bulls front office for convincing themselves that Jabari could be a different player than he actually is. And in the same token, Jabari, you made $20 million. You asked to be a focal point of this team, and that's what you were asked to to come home. And, like... To say that there is no pressure and that that people were going to give you a warm welcome, we all did. Like most of the Chicago Nation did, and we're like, okay, we'll give him a chance, and you didn't live up to it. So there's fault on both sides, but I agree it was kind of weird at the way it ended. It's like 
Parker was playing better than he ever had over the last five games before he was pulled completely out of the rotation and then just not really given a reason or given an answer or given a, like a reason why. So I agree too in that sense. And I think the ultimate outcome, Matt, is, is just, just, just wave the guy. Just find a buyout, wave him, and let him go somewhere else. Because the more you let this percolate among this team, like he's going to get growingly frustrated. He said he wants to go somewhere and he play. He's ready to play. So just do it. You're not going to get anything in a trade. And let's not double down our mistakes and go out and trade for a guy that has a contract through 2021 and you're going to get some type of protected first rounder. Let's not double down our mistakes for for first round pick that's going to be in the back end of the twenties. Like let's not do that. Just wave him, let him go to another team, cut your losses while while you still can right now. Let's not double down on those mistakes. Right, just like I'm sure you didn't double down on your bet for the Bulls to beat the Wolves while you were in Vegas last week. <laughs> you know, cut you, you cut your losses and you got out of there. That's that's the best move for the Bulls to make at this point. Yeah, I completely was, agree. With you. Yeah, I did that at the sports book. I may not have done it that at blackjack though. So Oh, man, yeah, Jabari, 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 feel bad for the guy, but at the same token, it's like, dude, I can't feel that bad for you, you made $20 million, and you didn't even have to play three months of the season, so, can't feel too bad for you, man, and he's going to get another shot, somebody's going to give him a shot, and it's probably going to come at a cheap cost, because the Bulls unloaded the bank on him at $20 million. so we'll see what happens, but I think for the betterment of this Bulls team, Wave him, let him go somewhere else sooner rather than later. Agreed. He'll he'll find his UCLA just like Fred Hoiberg. <laughs> well, that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. You can follow us on social media at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Drop us your text and your voicemails. We're going to be doing mailbag on Wednesday, 331-979-1369. We'd love to hear from you, so drop us a text, a voicemail. We will get to all of those on Wednesday's episode. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com, and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful New Year's Eve. Please stay safe out there. Enjoy. We will be back on tomorrow's episode with a special episode for you guys. So we will have an episode tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. But for Matt Peck, for Jordan Malley, thanks for hanging out with us all year long in 2018. You guys have made it the best year possible. 2019 is only going to bring even better things for Locked On Bulls and for the Locked On Podcast Network. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful night. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Happy New Year. Chris Dunn used the screen by Zach. Oh, my goodness. How about that slam? Christmas is over, but Chris Dunn is still delivering. Oh, my goodness. He punished them with that dunk. That's a poster right there. Wow. I did not see that one coming. Rose up. Wow. And there's Jonas Valanciunas. Oh, my goodness. That was ugly. I was super, super ecstatic to win one for Cleveland because of the 52-year drought. Like, I was ecstatic. Like, obviously, I showed that, that the first wave of emotion was when so y'all, everyone saw me crying. Like, that was all for 52 years. Everything in sports going on in Cleveland. And then after I stopped, I was like, that one right there made you the greatest player of all time. You know, everybody was just talking how they were the greatest team of all time. Like, it was the greatest team to ever assembled. And for us to come back, 
You know, the way we came back in that fashion, I was like, you did, you did something special. That's probably one of the only times in my career I felt like, oh shit, like you did something special. I haven't had, really had time to really like sit back and think with that. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com.